Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Mike Wallace, and I'm joined by Heather Thomas. Hello. How are you doing? Great. Wonderful. Um, one of our favorite actors is here today. We love him. He's sensational. He really is. Matthew Reese. And the exciting part of Matthew Reese is you've probably come to know him in The Americans or Perry Mason, maybe Brothers and Sisters. I don't know why you know him, but you've most certainly only heard him speak as an American. Yes. And this motherfucker's from Wales. Yeah, it's real tasty. Oh, it's real tasty. His accent's so tasty. And he even spoke in Welsh for us, which is very exciting. This becomes a little bit of a uh, history lesson on Wales. And boats. And boats, <laughs> yes. So if you like boats and whales <laughs> and perfect acting and the Americans, you're going to love this. Also, we want to remind people to watch Perry Mason. Perry Mason has been nominated for four Primetime Emmy Awards, including Best Lead Actor. Not surprised. Not even a little. And also, an all bulletins announcement. Is that a word? All bulletins announcement? ABA? <laughs> I got a quick ABA, an ABBA for you. If you're interested in participating in season two of Nurture versus Nurture with Dr. Wendy Mogul, we will have applications up on our website, armchairexpertpod.com, for your perusal and submission. So if you want to be involved with that, please go to the website and fill out the form. Please enjoy the charming Matthew Reese. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day, and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy, and we're always craving something really yummy. Yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all-new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow-roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. He's an I went down the entire Instagram rabbit hole of your boat. Ooh. <laughs> which it's madness. Now, look, I have a similar affliction, not to the degree, but what an undertaking. I have to assume you're obsessed with Hemingway. Yeah. I wouldn't quite say obsessed, but anything. What's the word that's before that? Infatuated? No, I no. think that's more. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Obsessed. I think you, you respect it deeply. That's no, it's more than that. <laughs> Why don't we mull over this <laughs> over the next hour? Also, I want to talk to you about your seating arrangements. Mm. Talk. Let's do it. Well, you, maybe you talk to me because you see such contrast between the two of you. 
for those who don't know, is it a lazy boy? It's a hardworking lazy boy, yeah. But hang on, first of all, have you talked about this before? Am I just retreading no, old ground? No, no, no. I don't think so, No, actually. you're the first person interested in the lazy boy, I think. Well, because the image I'm seeing is just quite striking. Dax is in a hardworking lazy boy. Monica's in, Monica, what are you in? Uh, this is a joy bird. And it's architectural, right? Ooh. We would say it's like mid-century. It's very architectural. Art deco, yes. Yellow. Yes. I pop on it. It's a very attractive arm. It looks like a cherry wood, maybe. Probably a laminate, but yeah. I'd call it I'd call it more of a walnut. Go with but it. Sure, 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 sure. No, you're right. Okay, quickly back to Hemingway. I do want to bullseye. What's between respect and obsessed? Intrigued? I am definitely intrigued by him. That's very true. I also like boats, which is partly why I bought the boat. Did you see the Ken Burns documentary that was just on about him? Mm -hmm. No, but I would love that. I love those docs. It's amazing. And also Carrie Voices, which was a boat. Ah. But it was one of the first times where I thought there was some real insight as to who he was as a person, which I think is someone who was deeply complex. Well, can I suggest something that maybe you've already read? I recognize that he was one of the greats. My interest level is like a 6.87. But I got obsessed with this book between he and his editor, Max Perkins. So I want to see the editor's name was Max Perkins. It's definitely Max. Very famous editor. He worked with Hemingway his whole career. He worked with Thomas Wolfe. He worked with Fitzgerald. So this guy was like the hub of all these crazy, mad literary yeah. geniuses. And, and you get to learn, I think. Imagine if every interaction with you and your agent was unveiled. We would learn a lot more about you than probably any interview you'll ever do. Absolutely. Well, you'd certainly glance the, the deep-rooted vitriol that lives inside me on a daily basis. In fear, right? I think so many early correspondence with my own agents was just like so much fear, assuming they had some keys to the kingdom they didn't have. It's part agent work, mostly therapy, really where you're saying, why don't you fix me in my life? Why don't you tell me why I'm craving attention from strangers and approbation from people I don't know? Yes, and why do I need all this attention? And why am I so jealous of everyone else? And why, <laughs> there's a lot there. <laughs> I actually made an apology to one of my agents years after this agent had left the business, but I called him like, and we remain friends, mind you, but I just think through getting sober or something else, I called him and I go, I just want you to know that you bore the brunt of a lot of my anxiety and my fear. And I so apologize for that. And by the way, I was pretty disappointed in my own behavior. And he said, oh, you're not even in the top 30. <laughs> I was like, oh my, wow. oh my God. It's like 10 you'd expect, five maybe for 30s. Why did they even do that job? Well, he quit, Seriously. God bless him. My Greg, he's still my friend. Yeah, he, he was like probably 32. And he's like, you know what? I'm out. This is not for me. It's admirable. It. It's a strange job. It is. Now, you're not in your boat, but you Wait, are in I'm a sorry. room. Okay. Why did you think he was obsessed with Hemingway? What about his oh, boat? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. So. Thank you, thank you, thank oh, you. I was bringing yes. it back to the boat just now. Because oh, I was like, great. the inside paneling of his room, it makes me think he might have a general aesthetic. <laughs> Yes, I do. I like to be cabin feverish wherever I go. No, we're in a rental in the Catskill Mountains at the moment, oh. which is why it, there's an abundance of wood. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. About three and a half years ago, I used to look at boats on websites anyway, and I would always look at boats on eBay and things. And I was on eBay one night. My son hadn't long been born, and I was a little bit drunk. And <laughs> I saw a Wheeler Playmate for sale, and I knew enough about Hemingway to go, Hemingway had a Wheeler Playmate. Oh. 
And I knew there wasn't many left. So I looked up. There's only like four still registered. Oh, wow. And there was this old guy selling a Wheeler Playmate on the West Coast. And I, and I ran into Carrie, woke her up. Well, that was smart to do when she's breastfeeding and said, <laughs> I want to buy this boat. This boat needs to be restored, but I want to buy it. It's like my middle-aged crisis project. And she went, sure, fine. <laughs> I have like boating friends. Two of them said, oh, we know this amazing wooden boat shipwright. He can do it for you. So I thought, I'm set up. I can hand it over. It can be done very easily and very quickly. Sounds very turnkey right now, but I know enough. Go ahead. Sadly, didn't work out with the ship, right? So very quickly, I found myself looking at YouTube videos of shipwriting and restoring vintage wooden boats. I had this incredible captain. She's called Captain Kelly Farwell. She had her own kind of wood boat dinner experience on the Hudson where she would cook New England food and then drive this massive old wooden minesweeper. incredible. She joined me got her on board and the two of us basically restored it over three and a half wow. years. Monica, you gotta look at the pictures on the Instagram because wow. there's so many phases. Like I'm really putting myself in your head, right? Cause yeah. I've done stupid shit like this and you see it and all you're seeing is you at sea on this thing and I get it and it's gloriously restored and you're ignoring it's on the West coast. You're not like, yeah, probably gonna be a little bit challenging to get that boat all the way to New York, but manageable. <laughs> oh, here's a place that'll restore it good. And then it's gotta be a pain in the ass to get that boat to New York. That's gotta be its own one month process. First of all, I didn't know, there's plenty of guys who haul boats across the country. Not a problem. You can find tons of them. You call them up and you say you have a 1939 wooden boat. You're like, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Oh. And that's all I had for so long till this one guy like in a cowboy hat went, yeah, I'll pick it up. In a semi, Monica, it has to be a semi. It's like a wide load situation. Oh Guy's going 49 goodness. miles an hour all the way from California, probably. Yes. Yeah. And he's to have the air thing. I can't even remember it now. So like it cushions the boat. Ooh. Yeah, because he could hit some pothole in your oh, Hemingway boy. boat is now sawdust. Yes. And I talked about that with him at length. And then I remember there was one point I was like, where are you? And he's like, I don't know, but there's some demonstration and people are on the road and I can't move. And I was like, I was like, this boat's never, never going to come. You got to be an agent. You were like, you got to recognize the guy's frustrated. He's hot. He's tired. And you got to get him across the finish line. Yes. And you just say, I know you're tired. I know you're tired. You've only got eight more states to go. And you've done so well up until now. And I love the pictures you've sent. Thank you so much. There were other elements to this that I had these kind of ridiculous notions that, as you probably well know, <laughs> New York is incredibly overpopulated. And we live on these kind of wild waterways. And they're kind of ignored. People just look at them or they walk across them. But it's the last part where kind of the wild meets gross urbanization to me. Yeah. It's where the two meet. And I had this notion that I would get this boat ready and it would be one of the last quiet places you could immediately access. Like you don't have to drive hours up north to get to the quiet. You can get a sense of space by being on the water. And that's what I wanted kind of rose-tintedly for my son. Yes, mm. yes. Although I'll never let him on the boat now. Okay, let's geek out for a second because I have a similar fascination with the Hudson. A, I'm from Michigan. Everyone owns a boat. So I'm shocked that no one owns a boat in New York because you're in between these two huge waterways. That's weird. Yeah. Two, the history. The fucking British sailed ships up the Hudson in fucking shot cannons at Battery Park? That happened? You could be standing in Manhattan and boats were blasting cannon? Really fascinating. 
Second big obsession of mine, John D. Rockefeller. He had this amazing place up the Hudson, and every morning he'd get on a steam-powered boat, and he'd have this beautiful breakfast and read the newspaper and start his day, and he'd sometimes pick up other friends, and then they would deliver them to roughly Battery Park. And I thought, if you're loaded, why don't you come into the city like that? Get on a boat, have breakfast, read the newspaper. Like, I agree. It feels like um, a superpower. If you can harness that river in New York, it's like you're the only person doing it. I know. And listen, I'm aware of how white and privileged that is. But I had this notion that like you could feel space again in the midst of millions. Yes. Don't you have an RV as well? Well, it's a bus. I have a 45 foot diesel tag axle tour bus. And like you, I'm like, oh, I'm set for life. Everything hits the fan. I get in that thing and I go somewhere. I figure out whatever place it's not on fire, whatever place is not flooded, whatever the thing is. I've got a life raft in my life now. Was that the motivator for it? No, no. I've wanted one forever, my whole life. Not to bore you with the details, but they don't make the big, nice buses with bunk beds. Usually old people build them and live in them. They don't have kids, but I have two little girls, so I had to have bunk beds. So it's very hard to find the floor plan I wanted. So I had been looking for probably three years for this thing. And it just so happened I found it in quarantine. How is it to drive? Oh, it's a dream, Matthew. Oh my goodness, it <laughs> couldn't be simpler. The only risk you're really running is the bus weighs like 50,000 pounds and it's crazy powerful. And I tow a trailer, you'll have blowouts, you have no fucking clue. The thing could just drag a trailer on no wheels down the road and you as the driver would <laughs> never ever know. If you're not paying attention to it, it could disintegrate behind you. You wouldn't know. That's a lot of responsibility. Or freedom. You decide. Yes. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> the, yeah. The other way to look at it is like a car. You'd be all out of control. This is kind of freedom. It'll, yeah. ju- it'll just keep plowing forward. <laughs> Good for you. Thank you. I'm glad you can recognize what's happening here. What percentage of people do you really think could drive it? For real. Of all the people in the country let's say the country well let's start by saying i bet more people could drive it than think they could drive it and also i'd put that number at under one percent yeah yeah okay yeah <laughs> how are you at captaining your boat once you're on the open waters there's nothing to it and it's twin engine right so you got to learn to forward reverse thrust and all that i leave that to the captain okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. captain ducks yeah <laughs> hooper drives the boat chief yeah okay now but back to the project so monica as you will go through tonight on instagram as you're laying in bed and feeling <laughs> yes. spunky, sure. this is a great outlet. You look at that picture of you and Matt Damon again, and you go, God damn, I can't believe he came in. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, after she stares at that for 30 minutes. Yeah, my nightly the- ritual. Just his arms alone. His arms alone in that picture. I, is what I found myself staring at them. Right? Mm-hmm. I was like, dear God, look at his arms. He still looks tip top. Dreamy. Let's yeah. gossip Dreamy. for half a second, Matthew. You don't know what Matt Damon you're going to get because he's such an incredible character actor. So he's often playing like pudgy or bloated or a frumpy. It's very admirable, but you don't know what one you're going to yeah. get. And this motherfucker walked yeah. in here and he is like he walked mm. off the set of Goodwill Hunt. Mm-mm, he looked mm-mm, like mm-mm. he was 28 years old. He was down to probably 8% body fat. It was incredible. I would have loved him oh regardless, God. but he, he was at did his it for peak, me. peak shape. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Is it still water? Is that the yes. name of the movie? It's legitimately great. He's incredible. Yeah. You'll love it. You'll love it because you're an actor's actor. I'm looking forward to that. 
He's one of those where he comes on screen, you go, oh, we're okay now. <laughs> yes, it's yes, like, he makes you feel safe. <laughs> That's a great Yeah, he does. Yes. Yeah. So consistent. Yeah. We're I totally okay agree. now. Yes. Even in Contagion, yeah. whole world's fucking unraveling. Oh, You're like, it's yeah. okay, I'm yes. easier. But you go, yeah, it's okay. Matt Damon's here. <laughs> yeah. I just got to wrap up your both things. So, Monica, it literally, he's stripping fucking 70 years of pain off the side. Ooh. And it's so encouraging, right? Like, I was watching it because it's in order, timeline-wise. So, when you take off mm. the top layer and you expose the wood under there and all those great mm. little dolls i guess that were put in in place of rivets or whatever it's gorgeous yeah. and you're thinking to yourself i found a diamond in the rough because the top is gorgeous mm -hmm. but then as you get down yeah. the lower thing i'm like oh that's a lot of rot oh what are they putting between everything oh and i was like <laughs> oh fuck after you've already been sanding for god knows what a year and you're so encouraged yeah. then you get to the bottom and it's just fucking mush <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a pillsbury doughboy oh, underneath it you could put your finger in some of that wet wood and you're like mm. i don't know if this is gonna hold up <laughs> yeah. we might need to replace this bit and prioritizing probably better that the bottom of the boats are watertight and not the top looking gorgeous yes it all starts making sense you're like oh right that's why it's rotten because it's in water <laughs> ah. anyways they clearly put <laughs> 10,000 man hours into this personally and the boat is fucking gorgeous. I love and, this. And they rent it out. If you're in New York City, you can charter it and, and have dinner on the boat. Fun. It looks really cool. It's called Movable Feast something. Yes, Movable Feast NY is the website. Yes. Hemingway, when he was looking for a boat, the story behind that in itself is incredible. When Esquire was established and they went to Hemingway, they said, we want to be the first contributor. And he's like, I want to buy a boat. So if you put the 50% down payment on the boat, I'll give you an article. And Esquire went, yes. And they still have the deeds to half of his boat. They wow. still have the paperwork. No way. I know. But Hemingway came to Brooklyn because he's like, there's this family in Brooklyn called the Wheeler family. The Wheelers were kind of like trying to make Cadillacs of the sea for the everyday man, basically. There was a, another part of me that thought, you know what? We're kind of restoring a piece of Brooklyn history that I want people to experience again so yes i <laughs> like to think they kind of you charted a little bit of, of brooklyn history yeah, yeah it's not I just a that. white piece of fiberglass okay so on that boat you speak of he went down and there was a national fishing tournament every year in cuba uh it was the most popular thing in cuba and he went down in that really nice boat and he caught the biggest marlin and the papers kind of turned on him they were like oh this northerner with this really fancy boat he came and the second place guy was a cuban guy and so his response to that was to take out an ad in that paper saying, I will be boxing men for four hours on this day. And anyone that can beat me can have my Marlin and have the prize money. And he went and fought four or five gentlemen in a row, Monica. Oh, my. And he God. kept that fucking Marlin and that money. I mean, again, you know what happened for real when you were telling that story? You went I zoned out okay. just like I do when I'm reading his work. I oh. am not a fan, but it was the, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> like I just clearly can't take in any info. He's kind of a boy. About or from him. It's kind of a boy's boys. And you know, he sure. killed himself. It's a tragic oh, story man. of mental health. Oh. He really wrestled with it. He was a, clearly a functional alcoholic. His own father killed himself the same way. Ugh. Is it the whole machismo thing that puts you off, Monica? Machismo. How do you say in this country? Machismo, Machismo here. Machismo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you using the Estonian pronunciation? <laughs> Is that how 
Yes, masquismo. Masquismo. No, no, it's just far too boring. I find it right. incredibly boring. I think that's a fair observation, especially if you don't get to the meat, because really what it does is it kind of lulls you into this weird voice and it's slow and consistent and blah 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 and then the thing happens it's always like really heroic in but that you know way. you have to read that in school so it like translates in my head to something i had to do that i Didn't hated i really hated it yeah okay. i'm gonna cut all this out because i know everyone people will come like for you it. no i think yeah. he's I'm just kind kidding. of he's I'm popular kidding. to dislike <laughs> he's weird he's like mixed messages because he's by all accounts the manliest man to ever live and he's in World War One. He hunts big game in Africa. He's alone at sea. He fishes. He boxes. He's an alcoholic. All this stuff. <laughs> Yet underneath we go, this guy's a prolific artist. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Therein lies some of the masculinity or something. Like, that's why he's intriguing to me, right? Well, me too, because the, it's the overt masculinity. Like, how, whoa, what, what are you hiding there? Yeah. You also love cats. You don't shout about that too much. Right, do you? he doesn't have any books about cats. No, but he loved cats. So I'm fascinated by how overt he was. And like, you know, I'll fight anyone for this mark. And he's like, what? What's that about? Yeah, well, compensation for something. I think my posthumous psychoanalyzation of him would be here was a guy who was incredibly sensitive. Yeah. And fearful and open and ashamed of that and compensating in all these other ways. Like, so to me, it's a wonderful kind of just full story of masculinity, especially in that era. I can relate. Like, I had to do all this shit fucking ride motorcycles, jump shit, race things, fight guys, fuck, drink too much, do too much drugs. Also, I could tell you, I'm scared. I was molested. I've been victimized. Like, I have felt like I had to earn it all just to get to a point where I could start being honest with you that I'm fearful of everything. So I just really relate. Yeah. There's also a man who was dressed in girls' clothing as a young boy. Sure, that's true. Okay, let's talk about Wales for a second because I am embarrassingly ignorant on the history of Wales. I think Monica and I both have our the full place, knowledge. The place, not the Oh, not the animals. No, yeah, yeah. not the mammal. Too close to what we were just talking about. Very similar. In <laughs> fact, I know a ton about whales, the mammals. So just, I don't know <laughs> oh. anything about whales, the country, but I'm good on whales. So I think Monica and I probably have the same shared total knowledge of whales, which is at one point, Prince Charles had to go there and learn the language and make a speech he in the language. He is the Prince of Wales. And yeah. in the crown, they sent him there to learn to speak Welsh so that he could actually make a, a speech in Welsh. And I don't know up until that moment if I knew that Welsh people had their own language. I'm so embarrassed to admit that, but here we are. Did you know? I mean, I've heard the term Welsh, but I guess right. I thought it was like Latin. Like, yeah, a couple hundred years ago, people spoke Welsh. Did you know the Scots and the Irish have their own language? Yes. There's right. not any movies about the Welsh. Like, we've got Braveheart. We've got Roy... Roy Rogers. Roy Rogers. Yeah. Roy Rogers, the first Scottish cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> Great cowboy. Yeah. So I know it's a lot to ask you, but why don't we know anything about Wales? I mean, I guess I take tons of responsibility, but also maybe there's no movies. Do you feel underrepresented in the United Kingdom? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. We're the cousin that was kept in the attic, as the English call us. What I enjoyed, the Ryder Cup was in Wales, I can't remember, like 10 years ago. And all the references, the American references, <laughs> were like, Wales is the size of Connecticut. 
But the population of Pittsburgh, you know, is all it was like it was all that is you had like, to put it in American for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also it's like growing up in Wales, it was always like the newsreader would be saying this in English, right? Swathes of the Amazon are being cut down the size of Wales. You're like, you're always a reference for something not quite big enough, but sort of relatively small. Can I make a parallel? You're the Rhode Island of the UK. Because that's that's also, I was at a military base not long ago, and they're like, this is the size of Rhode Island. I'm like, that's huge. And I'm like, I have no fucking clue how big Rhode Island is. <laughs> is it nine miles long? <laughs> I, might, I might get a T-shirt just saying, Wales, the Rhode Island of the UK. <laughs> but would it be patronizing to ask you to describe how pretty Monica looks in Welsh? I would just love to hear oh, how geez. it sounds. Wow. Oh my God. You've never sounded more beautiful. I know. And I don't think he said that. I, I do. What you do. I, I want to really want to know. We're doing a lot of reverse engineering on who we think you are simply based on having carry on, which was a yeah. fucking party. We had so much yeah. fun interviewing Carrie and she brought <laughs> beer. She's still the only guest that's ever showed up with her own beer. She loves a beer. She brought beer, but to be just clear, she's the only one that brought beer, but she is not the only one that has drank beer or alcohol. Well, many guests drank her beer. That's right. That we left the rest stayed and people drank it, including me. That's nice. So you're saying other people came to your show and say, do you have any beer? (laughs) No, they just, it happened to be in our fridge from her and they're like, oh, beer. And they took it. Oh, okay. Impulse buy. Okay. And similarly, we just had Leon Bridges on, and Rob got him a really nice bottle of McClellan. McClellan? What is it? McCallan whiskey. McCallan, 12-year-old whiskey McCallan for him. Whiskey. So had you been here, we could be feeding you a little nectar. What did Matt Damon want? He didn't. <sighs> what was his right? He, he was pretty early. It was pretty early, in his defense. What would he have liked, I wonder? Um... I bet he would have liked that McClellan. McClellan's. <laughs> Mac. Oh, boy. <laughs> Big Mac. A tea. <laughs> A very specific tea. No, he's like Big Mac. Boston. Oolong. Oh, what, like, oh, Sam Adams. That's too on the oh. nose. They love a tea. Yeah, they love. Oh, well, they yeah. like that. They just like tea. chucking it tea off out the fucking the boat. boat. Yeah, that's what they. They really like to use it as a, a projectile. Boat, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, now I need to catch people up egocentrically yeah. on my experience with you. And I told Carrie it. I doubt you listened to her episode, so I'm going to tell you it. The Americans comes to us highly recommended to the point where you're going to have to watch this show, like The Wire, or you're not going to be in your friendship group, right? You know these shows. Well, The Americans was one of them. And we start watching it and just, I'm going to be brutal with you, but it's total honesty. And when it first starts, I'm like, this is our spy, huh? This guy is our sexy espionage (laughs) spy. I'm being dead honest with you. This This is our guy. Carrie's goddamn right she's our spy. But you, I'm like, this is our spy, huh? You're going to keep saying it? (laughs) Well, I'm dragging out what he knows is coming, which is about 40 minutes into the episode, I paused it, and I turned to Chris, and I go, this motherfucker is sexy. And she goes, oh, my God, I was just thinking the exact same thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's got fucking rhythm, like fire coming out. I was so sold by 40 minutes. And then I just thought you were the sexiest, most charismatic guy. And I was like, fuck yes, this guy is our espionage hero. There's nothing I can say now. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that's a weird compliment to receive, isn't it? Well, it's probably the best one I've ever received. 
At first it was nagging and then yeah. it turned into something real. There was a lot going Intrigue, on. Intrigue, then obsession, then infatuation. Wow, yeah. We ran the whole, we went, went up the ladder all the way to infatuation. But anyways, I became obsessed with that show like everyone else's. And you are truly so unbelievable in that show. Holy mm -hmm. fuck, are you amazing. I'm not telling you anything new. You won an Emmy, but I have to geek out on a couple questions for you. My wife and I, she's also an actor, so we watch things differently, as I'm, I'm sure you do, right? So there were a couple scenes in The Americans where it was like, you guys had your hardest conversation as a couple while both deeply undercover, right? So <laughs> there are times in the show where you're having the most important conversation you'll have, your characters will have. But you're like, you're in a huge afro and funky clothes and she's in God knows what. <laughs> and I said to my wife, this is the day they got to have this conversation. They're looking at each other and they probably don't even recognize each other. Like, it's a really unique situation. Yeah, as a character. That happened several times in real life where we were having big moments in the trailer and you're looking at her dressed and in the most bizarre, th or she's got contacts in, and you're like, hey, look at me. And she goes, I am looking at you. You're like, oh. Uh, like, we had some strange moments. Like, well, there were times I, like, we'd have a, an argument and I couldn't move my mouth because the mustache and the beard, I'm, I'm trying to sh shout and be angry and everything, and it all happened. Oh. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> there was a point where it got so meta, because it's like, you're already playing Russians who are living as Americans, so that's one layer. And you're, I imagine you're even considering that when you have these big moments where it's like you and your wife are having a come to Jesus moment. But I guess for me as the actor, I'd probably be annoying and being like, wouldn't we be doing this in Russian? I got to get over that hurdle. Yeah. No, the kids though. But they had many, many private conversations where it got really yeah. tough. Yes. That was disgusting. <laughs> At length, <laughs> with the show's creator, like, wouldn't there be moments where we burst into Russian, like, and he was like, yeah, well, you know, listen, yeah, I think you've dedicated yourselves to not speaking Russian for years and years and years. You know how dangerous it would be to speak Russian. And also, the Russian you spoke in season one was so bad, we can't write anything in Russian for you ever again. We're like, that's, that's fair. fair. And that's accurate. <laughs> I remember with the Russian kind of person who was helping us, we were just drilling Russian, and I was like, Am I saying this right? She's like, yes, you're saying it right, but you don't sound anything like a Russian. And I was like, oh, oh, we'll never get this. We'll just never get this. And I was like, maybe we should put a line in just for the audience to say why it is we don't burst into Russian at certain moments. Or like there's one moment where you start shouting one Russian word and then Kay's like, shut don't do it. We talk, we've talked about this. You must never do that. But, but we never got there. So people do go, why didn't you argue in Russian? And then I just tell them what I told right. you. Right. So I'm just saying you're stepping over all these realities and now you're adding on to it. And now I'm wearing a humongous Afro and big lapels and I got to ignore that too. So I just think it was a, a unique test of being truthful and sincere despite a lot of distraction. And I kind of appreciated how well all that went considering. Well, thank you for saying that. I know sometimes it gets boring when actors say this, but I attest that to the writing. It's the same happened for us. The other stuff fell away and you're just so invested in those people yeah. and what they're going through. That There are moments when she walked on set looking like John Denver and you go, wow, what the <laughs> fuck is this? And, but then you have to work through that. That was the worst one. <laughs> I know, because she did, she did look like John Denver and I struggled with that scene, but that's about the only one I did. <laughs>
There was one other, the hair and makeup stuff was so quick and turnaround. You shoot, you know, the lighting. Okay, then she walked on and I literally said, I took a side. I went, are you, I, I don't know if you're meant to be a boy or a girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's yeah. like, mm. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure either. <laughs> Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. I knew you did that. <laughs> no, I did not do that. I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Monica, please keep it in the chat. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. We are supported by Men's Warehouse. When you wear a tailored men's warehouse outfit, it makes you feel confident, like you can do anything. Whether it's a snappy suit that makes you want to dance at a wedding like no one is watching, or a smart casual outfit that gives you the confidence to nail a job interview. Yep, you should give Men's Warehouse a shot, and here's why. Men's Warehouse is the only nationwide men's clothing store that has a tailor in every store to fit your suit, shirt, jeans, etc. to your bod. Men's Warehouse features clothes from the best brands in the fashion world like Vera Wang, Kenneth Cole, and Calvin Klein. Men's Warehouse isn't just suits, they have jeans, t-shirts, shoes, hats, and even underwear. The tailoring is game-changing. It really makes a huge difference in people's outfits if it's tailored to your body. You could have a billion dollar suit and if it doesn't fit it looks terrible. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's key. Men's Warehouse is everywhere with 600 plus locations nationwide so if you need one, and you will, there's one near you. Feel like you can do anything in an outfit from Men's Warehouse. Visit your Men's Warehouse store or click or tap to shop online. I want to get into one moment in the show, if you don't mind. I was having these very, very visceral feelings while watching the scenes, and then I kind of opened up the conversation to Monica because I thought I pinpointed why I felt the way I did, and it wasn't the obvious. So at one point in the show, you're tasked with kind of wooing a teenager, and yeah. you're like, on the surface, this is rough for all the very obvious <laughs> reasons why it's rough. But there's a scene with you guys in the kitchen and you've smoked pot and you have the munchies and you guys are having fun like you're having fun by the way that actress is yeah. so incredible who's gone on to be incredible in a million other yeah. things but i thought i pinpointed for me 
why I wanted to be in that kitchen in that situation. It was that she helped you time travel. Like maybe that's the appeal of that thing is that you got to go back in time and smoke weed and have the munchies and be a kid. And so I found myself like really into that scene, but not for the pervy reasons, just for the time travel reasons. I don't know. I just want to tell you that <laughs> I'm not expecting you to give me an answer, but I was like, why do I love this so much? Cause it's not the gross thing, but I do love this. I love the notion of being able to go have a day as a 17 year old again. Yeah, I'm slightly overwhelmed by the depth of your perception because you thought about it far more than I did. But I think you're right. And like, because in the, some of the flashbacks, you see how they lost their youth to what they had to yes. do. He never had a youth, let alone an American youth. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And beautifully put, it was that. There were such few times where that was evident or allowed for them as well. Yeah, to just have carefree fun. It looked yeah. like such a reprieve from your fucking life. Yeah, yeah, that's what, when we had Esther Perel on the first time, she talks about affairs and that it's not really about your partner, it's about you, what is it? like? She said, it's, you're not necessarily cheating on your spouse with another person as much as you're cheating on your spouse with the other version of yourself that you miss. Yeah, you're clicking back into wow. an old part of yourself. Yeah, and I was like, oh, God, that sums it up in a way I have a wow. lot of compassion for. It's like, yeah, we say goodbye to some parts of ourselves as we take on more responsibility and, and all that. And it's all groovy, but there are sometimes you're like, fuck, I miss me. I miss how I felt. And then this other person's a conduit to that, not that the person is that. Yes. Oh, my God. Do we <laughs> have a, a cry? Um, yeah. Slightly affected by that statement. <laughs> it's powerful, right? It is. But it reminded me, it's like that. That yeah. scene and that relationship was like that. It was a part of that character that he didn't have or missed. Yeah, I dug it. Yeah, and also the youth they never had, the innocence they never had. Now, we, we maybe share this. And may, I could be wrong about the history of the Americans. You can correct me, but I kind of had this experience in a movie where I was in this movie. No one saw it at all i mean literally no one's it, what was the movie idiocracy it was out for like 10 seconds at theaters at like 40 theaters and no one ever saw it and then a few years later people started saying to me like hey saw idiocracy i love it. and now it's it's probably at its pinnacle 16 years later it's at its pinnacle which is a very bizarre experience which i love and i wonder was americans a little bit like that like you're like I think I'm doing some of the best work of my life, and I think I'm one of the best shows I've ever been on, and I'm not sure if anyone's seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely that. But like you referenced about your movie, The Americans has had a lot of afterlife and continues to. Yeah. It still trickles. You still get references or people who've just seen it or finally been put onto it or got around to watching it. Yeah, who have that same experience about mainly about relationships. I always enjoy it when couples come up to us about the Americans, the, the, just the different takeaways mm. and just how sometimes very visceral. Like, you'll just be called an asshole. You're an asshole. You're like, <laughs> oh, right. Oh. Yeah. God, you're lucky to have her. You're like, are you talking about the Americans? Oh, yeah, I hope you are. For anyone that's not seen it, I'll say two things about it. One is, yeah, I can imagine for women, it's like the story that Carrie's going through in the 80s and what it was like to be a woman and what it was like to be a spy and what... There's so much great, amazing stuff and mother, daughter, it's incredible. But what I always say to people is give it four episodes. I want to say it's episode five where, and I'm not going to say who or what, but a bag goes over someone's head in a phone booth. And from that moment, 
I've never seen a show that sets a pace that it maintains for so long. I just don't know how yeah. they did it. I mean, you guys are at the eye of a storm for four seasons. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's what I couldn't understand about how the writers maintained that. Because at every any given moment, I was like, this house of cards is going to fall. And I say this, but I didn't feel like it did. No. And I don't quite, still quite understand why I didn't. I'd put it up there with Sopranos as far as just like kind of somehow managing this impossible weight and stakes and plot forever. It, it just always worked. Yes. So good. And I suppose if you know the consequence is going to be so big at the end, you do want to know. It's just a metronome then of tempo until the inevitable. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope everyone sees it. Now, based on that, of course, you get this opportunity. I read this, the LA Times. What's great about you is you can consume everything you've ever put out there in about an afternoon. Your Wikipedia, <laughs> there's nothing there. I mean, there's nothing. I don't know what your parents did. I don't know a fucking thing about you. And I guess it's a congrats to you because that must have been intentional. You must not like doing press. What's great is you're still this wonderful mystery to me. Like when I read, it, I was like, oh, great. I'm going to find out everything about him because there's nothing really here for me. But anyways, I, I read the LA Times thing and come to find out that Perry Mason had been developed for Robert Downey Jr. He and his wife, Susan, she's a fucking beast, right? Yes. Yeah. And has such, such take on story and tempo. Like she has that producer's analytical brain of what makes a story work why and at what time her notes are always i'm always like how do you even know to say that it's like you and the, <laughs> the stone munchie scenes i'm just as shallow as a puddle because i can't get a sniff of half the things you're getting from this she's incredible she's a mind. Well, you have to start by going she's a woman that looked at robert downey jr and said yeah i can handle that <laughs> how long was he in jail where's he what's that? yeah yeah no problem and now they're this tour de force production team yeah so it was developed for Downey, and then for all the many reasons people mm. don't end up doing stuff, and then you were immediately in their mind. And I don't know that I would ever put you guys together thematically, but once it was proposed that way, I was like, oh yes, I see a ton of the Downey thing with you, which I hope you take as a compliment. It's so weird that someone can be so sparkly and yet have so much pathos and all the other stuff you would want is pretty wild combo and i think you very much have that as well have you seen yeah have you seen him in chaplin it's crazy that still haunts me because i i remember watching that in a cinema at a young age going oh i fucking give up now what's the point if you can't do that there's no point and if someone set that bar don't even try jumping you're absolutely right if you were a long jumper the olympics are out right now so let's put it in that world and you saw that someone jumped 22 meters in the standing long jump. And your best was 10. You wouldn't go into it. <laughs> but lo and behold, the nature of our business is, is 10 might win the Olympics when it's your time. <laughs> I know. You go, you know what? I know I've only jumped 10, but I'm going to have a go. I'm still going to try to go in the Olympics. Yeah, but sir, Robert Downey just jumped 18 meters. Yeah, but I'm still going to do it. I know. Yeah, actually, actually, him and Chaplin was a real kind of moment where you go, ooh, I don't know if I should. Yeah. So when you got that role, that wasn't the first time you didn't have to audition, is it? Or just maybe of, of a lead role? I would say almost one of the only times. I wonder if we shared this at all. So my dream was just to get offered shit. But then the times I got offered stuff and I didn't audition, I realized I would show up to set. And about three days before, I would go, 
I have no fucking clue who I'm playing because I wasn't forced to figure that out during the audition process. And now I'm pretty nervous <laughs> they hired the wrong person. Yeah, you only do the work in the audition. That's where the work is done. <laughs> Virtually. Once you get the part, just spend the money and congratulate yourself. Buy old boats that shouldn't be restored. Yeah. Yeah. It is so lovely, but there's some weird mental thing about having not gone over that hurdle before you start. For me. There is. But with Mason, it kind of got into my head a bit because... Because it was meant for Robert. Yeah. I just was overwhelmed with pressure and fear. Because then they're like, HBO like, oh, well, if it's not Robin as him, he needs to be the same as Robin. Sure, sure. Yeah. Or better. Yeah. And you go, well, that's not how it works. I'm here by default. It's a default <laughs> process. He can't do it. So by default, I do it. So you'll get a defaulted performance. This is so great because, of course, you think those things and everyone thinks those things. And then you remember... Acting's as much about the fingerprint of who's doing it as it is about any particular skill. So yeah, you probably wouldn't do as good doing Chaplin as he did. I certainly wouldn't. He couldn't have been in The Americans the way you are. So that's fascinating. He probably could. No. No, it would I don't be think totally so. different. I don't think so. <laughs> it would be good, but different. We're getting sidetracked. This isn't about Downey. This is about you, of course. So I have seen the show and I absolutely think you're fucking, again, so fantastic in it. And you guys are doing a second season? Yes. Sometime. It keeps getting delayed for various reasons, many reasons. Okay. The most obvious that we're all fighting. So, yes, we were supposed to be shooting, but keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. So we are hoping to go before long. Do you like having to come out here to work? I do. I love L.A. I lived in L.A. for like six, seven years. I love it. It's still incredibly exotic to me because growing up, You'd see images, you know, of everything that I associated with film and television. You would see images of L.A. and you would kind of go, oh, I want to go there. And then you go in and you go, oh, I'm in L.A. <laughs> it still has that. When I come into land, I still look out the window and go, oh, there's L.A. Yeah. It's bizarre. I totally agree. I was on the show Parenthood and I went to Universal every single day for six years. And every single time the gate opened in my head, I heard and I was like, I can't believe I'm driving onto a Hollywood set. It's never left me. Yeah. yeah. I had that on Mason. We shot so much on Paramount. On every soundstage, it tells you what shot there. Yeah. So you're just like, Wizard of Oz, Godfather. You're like, oh my God. Yeah, just adds to the nerves. But it's incredible. It is, especially coming from Wales, which may or may not be the exact same size as Rhode Island. <laughs> You've worked really just consistently, at least from the outside and what little exists about you, it seems like you've really just worked consistently the whole time you've been doing this. Is that fair? Like you got in to the Royal Academy. Did that seem improbable when that happened to you? Yes and no, because strangely enough, a good friend of mine who's a, a year older than me, and as we were growing up doing our kind of drama classes and workshops and all the rest of it, he said, I'm going to apply to the Royal Academy. And I was like, what? You can't do that. Welsh people don't go to the Royal Academy. Only Tony Hopkins goes to the Royal Academy. Yeah. And then he got in. And then he was like, oh, my God, maybe I could get in. So th that was the, it buoyed me to attempt it. And then we did. And we both, and we lived together for years. Ten years? Yeah, Johan Griffith. And then he got a part in Titanic. Ooh. And all these American actors were like, you should come to L.A. And he's like, I think I'm going to go to L.A. He's like, we can't go to L.A. Welsh people don't go to L.A. Only Tony Hopkins goes to L.A. And then we both did that. But I was always lucky enough that he was the true pioneer doing it. And, and there were others, Michael Sheen and Reese Evans and all the, the slightly older Welsh boys who were doing it. So it, it became possible. And 
overall, it's interesting that a job comes with living in America as well. But unless you're going to drive yourself insane, you pretty much got to be here. Yes. And is that aspect of it fine? Do you love Brooklyn? You seem like a Brooklynite to me. I love Brooklyn. New York has the same exotic element that LA does because we live by the Brooklyn Bridge and I still feel like I'm in a movie when when I see it. I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> a nice little piss out of Kerry. I sometimes talk in a new, in a Brooklyn accent when I when I go into a store. And she's like, "Stop! Don't do that! It drives me insane." <laughs> and I was like, "I know, but I just feel like I'm in a movie." And it blows my mind that my son will see the Brooklyn Bridge and go, "Oh, we're home." I know. And I go, "No, we're not. We're in a movie." <laughs> I know. I try to tell my kids they're from Michigan, even though they're from LA. I'm like, "But you're a Michigander. Just know that we're still yeah. visitors here. This is not real." <laughs> I only found out they were called ganders the other day. I had a group of Michigan people on the boat. One of the ladies had a the Great Lakes tattooed on her back. Oh, and, yeah, and I said, "What are those?" <laughs> she was disgusted. Disgusted. Superior's bigger than whales. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's what I'm told. That's why it's called superior. Superior to Welsh people. <laughs> and then I also wonder. I've had this thought because I have a couple English friends with American kids, and I have an American friend with an English kid. Is it trippy to look at your progeny, this thing that is an extension of you speaking in this American accent and being just an American? Is it freaky? Yeah, it is. Well, not long, six, seven years ago, it was taken off the endangered language list. So there's not many people who speak it. And my parents were incredibly passionate about the survival of the language. They campaigned and protested. And I had cousins who were arrested. You know, it was a big thing. And they were like, you have to pass on the language. Otherwise, it'll die. So I do speak to my son in Welsh. But when he replies to me in an American accent, it still (laughs) blows my mind. Yeah. It does many things to you. There is an element that kind of breaks your heart as well. Sure. And can kills you. But it's part of this evolution in the trail you're on. I don't know this, but I'm guessing it would be very natural if the Welsh folks had a chip on their shoulder. Which they do. Yes. And so I'm from blue collar Detroit. We have a chip on our shoulder. And God knows Bostonians have a real chip on their shoulder. It's a bizarre notion, but I kind of want my kids to have that same chip on their shoulder. I'm not even sure why. I just guess because it's a defining part of what makes us us. Yes. But I also think you want them to be like you or to come from you. And that's a, it's such a defining characteristic of mine is to have the chip. And I go, well, if he doesn't have the chip, how will he get on? It's like, where's his hunger? Where's his drive? Yes. How will he hate the English as much as yes. me? Yes, <laughs> yes. And without that fuel in his tank, can he propel? And then you start questioning, like, do I need to have that to propel? That's always my battle. Like, can't I work out of joy? Can't I try to accomplish <laughs> things out of love and joy? Why does it always have to be, I'm a terrible failure and you're proving everyone right? Like, why does that have to be the thing? Because it's such a powerful incentive. It is. Like the big joke about Celtic songs, like Irish, Scots and Welsh, is like, there's only two songs. You're on the dock waving goodbye to the boat going to America, or you're on the boat waving back at the homeland. (laughs) Right. There's no joyous songs at all. (laughs) We can only work from melancholy. How often do you go back? Not often enough. We're going to go to Dublin now, which is great. So my parents will come out of there. But it's been since Sam came, like once a year. I miss it. I want him to know the usual fucking paternal cliches about wanting to know the homeland and father's upbringing. What is the thing when you land in Wales and you, you leave the airport and you're in the car on the way to your parents' house? What are the visceral things that you're connecting to? The big joke is because when you cross over from England into Wales, 
it's this giant bridge. Like it couldn't be more of a symbol. So you always wait to see the tip of the bridge. And as it grows into its enormity, usually the second you know, wheels touch Welsh soil, the shout goes up. So I, that's always I, something I very childishly I look forward to is that shout when we cross the bridge. Since it's not on Wikipedia, what did your parents do or do they do? Yeah, they're retired now. They're both teachers. My father was a principal. My mother was a music teacher in a blind school. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Monica, where are you from? Georgia. Oh, you? Yeah. What is it for you? Mm, oh, that's a great question. Oh, do you question. miss it? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I also get back there, so it feels nice, but I am always feel really grateful to live in L.A. after living in the South. So I'm happy to go, like, right. touch back down, but I'm happy to be here very much so. The South comes yeah. with a, a lot yeah. of stuff I'm happy to avoid. It does have a distinct feel, though, atmospherically, I'll say. Definitely. It's very similar to Michigan, in fact, in the summer. It's like very, very humid. And it smells like deciduous trees. Storms. There's no pine trees. Oh, yeah. Storms, summer yeah. storms. That stuff's nice. I mean, it definitely like gets ingrained in your molecules. So like when it happens, even here, like if there's a random thunderstorm, which is like, you know, once every six Decades, years or yeah. something, you feel it in your body when it, you, you're used to it. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, that to me is always the funny stuff as much as it's the physical triggers that you don't even know exist. Yeah, exactly. You must hate this question, but alas, I will ask it. I think for many people still, it'll be shocked to hear you speak in your native tongue and your American accents are so varied and so fucking good. They're amazing, yeah. Do you have a specific approach to that? Impersonate George Clooney. Okay, (laughs) see, that's wonderful. That's what I started years ago when I was auditioning for American shows. I, I just would listen to him and not necessarily impersonate him, but he was my reference for a long time in ER. And I just, wow. I don't know why I just latched onto the way he spoke. Yeah. So that George was a big one for me. We grew up with the American shows. As children, we would be impersonating members of the A-team, Starsky and Hutch. That's what you would do in your garden or in, in the playground. We weren't playing Downton Abbey, you know. We, <laughs> we impersonated Americans from an early age. Did you have Fall Guy or uh, Dukes of Hazard? I had the Fall Guy, Dukes of Hazard, Airwolf. We had them all. You and I are virtually the exact same age. You're like one month younger than me. I'm January 2nd, 75. But you look much better. No, no, no I don't think so. You look years, no. years, but I can tell by your arms. No. Look at you. <laughs> You're well, into the arms. You're like a butcher's dog. He's a, he's a man. Yeah. I know, I like it. I've gotten to the point where I embrace that I have gray and shit. And I'm start, that's happening. I'm starting to look like a middle-aged man. And I think for those of us who embrace it, we're going to be unicorns in this business. We're going to be the only ones that look not like a bloated balloon. But yeah. I do not accept the body. I can't accept it. I can't have an older man's body. I just, right now, I'm still wrestling <laughs> with that. I, I, I need to feel like strong and virile. But I can look like anything. I don't care. Yeah. But I need to be able to lift shit. Yeah. That's all I got left. Where does that come from? Oh, hyper-masculine upbringing, no dad, all the tropes uh, in search of masculinity, looking for approval from other male figures. And that's yeah. who I am now. Aging is scary when things are changing and you you can't lift something yeah. anymore or things start to, I mean, it that's universal. I don't think that's necessarily because of the masculinity thing. Well, it, what's not universal is my response to it. So I think like, what is it that gets me to go work out six days a week? There must be some other ingredient. Wow, six days a week. I try to. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're doing That's different impressive. things. You're doing incredible acting work, and I'm like jumping stuff now for a living. I just jump things and do wheelies on things. So it's well, we're doing exactly <laughs> Wait, what we're what supposed to do. Wait, what are you jumping? To. What are you jumping? <laughs> well, I host Top Gear, so I jump tons of shit on Top Gear. And then Holy just, shit, I didn't know that. Well, it's the American version. That's why you wouldn't know it, probably. But When did you start doing that? Season one has aired on Motor Trend. It's about to hit Discovery in a second window, and then we've shot season two already, and then hopefully we'll do a bunch more. But Fuck. yeah, it's just me driving like an idiot, and that's what I do now, which I fucking love. Like everything they told you as a kid not to do, now people love you at work for doing. What a feeling. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. Have you seen that F1 series on Netflix? We love it. Drive to Survive. Obsessed. And didn't care at all about Formula One prior to that. Nor me. And now I can't stop watching it. I'm like, oh my God. Did you watch Sundays? Did you watch Sunday's race? It was crazy. It was insane. Best race I've ever seen, other than on motorcycles. Unreal. Who's your guy? Who's your guy? This will tell us a lot about you. (sighs) To be honest, I don't have a guy because I kind of bounce around quite a lot with them. Like, Everyone dislike, well, not everyone likes, a lot don't like Verstappen, but I think he's kind of, I like him. Dax loves Verstappen. I'm obsessed. Now, I, I I'm, do. I'm personal friends with Daniel Ricardo, so yeah, he's my he's number one. He's our favorite. He's our fave. Right, right. But Verstappen is an android from a planet where they drive with the consistency of a laser beam. I don't know how yes. he can do what he does in the car. It's, it, it's, no, no. You watch the race. He couldn't get by McSchumacher, right? And then at some point, he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to fucking die right now. I don't have the pace to pass him, but I have the willpower to pass him. I was like, oh, he's insane. I know. <laughs> There's a part of me that wants to talk to Verstappen to go, I want to have that drink with you and see if I'm going to crack a shell. Or are you just, am I just going to see the wires coming out of your ears? I mean, he's basically the Hemingway of Formula One. Now he's my hero. He's my oh, true. He, no. He's the name. He's the next James Hunt. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that doco on James Hunt? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Like, amazing. That final race in Yokohama, and they knew there was rain coming, and his manager goes, <laughs> they walked into the hotel, and he's like, listen, you have an opportunity to win this championship. It'll be the only championship you, you could win. Don't have a drink tonight. And he goes, I won't. I promise you. I And he said, literally, he was about to hit the W of other second. I won't. And he said, he looked, he saw James Hunt's eyes just go. And his manager looked across the hotel and it was like this cabaret singer. And he just went, we're fucked. <laughs> the next morning, he's like, I'm knocking on your door at 5.30 a.m. He's like, yeah, fine, yeah, fine, 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 fine. He's walking up the stairs at 5.15 and James Hunt is coming down the stairs with the cab racing and he's like, it's over. Yeah, it's over. It's over. It was in the day when they had manual gearbox, right? And Hunt is winning against Nicky Lauda, right? And the top of the handle gets popped off and flew out of his hand. And he's like, "Ah, ah," and he's got like a few laps to go. And then he pulled his gloves off, rammed his hand down on top of the gearbox and used his own hand as the shifter. And one at Yokohama in the rain. It was like, well, clearly one of the Hemsworth boys needs to play you. <laughs> okay, now that I know about Hemingway and I know about Hunt, and we don't like Lauda, even though Lauda's like, he dedicated his life to it. He deserved to win every time. He put in the time, he was a yeah. choir boy off. It was his life. And yet I'm drawn to the these other people who are like juggling chaos. Yes. 
Why? Because this is what I don't understand. I can have half a bottle of red wine and not be able to act the next day, yeah. right? How does Hemingway drink as much as he did and then turn out for whom the bell tolls? How does James Hunt win at Yokohama on no sleep and two bottles of vodka? How does Verstappen do it? I'm like, how do they do it? I've also had this great fascination with certain musicians, namely Waylon Jennings, obsessed with Waylon Jennings. And if I'm honest about what I'm attracted to, it's that he lived like a teenage male chimpanzee, yet his art was such that everyone excused everything. I mean, if I'm being honest about what I'm right. really attracted to is this notion that I could have everything, that I could live like a monster, I could be drunk and fucked up yeah. and be on drugs yeah. and break everyone's yeah. heart, but the art would be so good everyone yeah. would look away from it. No. Wait, I have no. to, so this fascination with people who can be horrible and then people excuse it. Like, do you think you'd feel good about yourself if that were the case? Well, so no. So that's what I was revealed about my addiction is that I could do all these other sparkly things, graduate magna cum laude, do these things and offer them up to everyone in my life. But I had to go to sleep with me. Exactly. That's yes. the lesson I learned is like, oh, even if I could do what Whalen did, I don't have the personal constitution to live with all of that wreckage. I, yeah. I feel personally guilty. Right. But it seems like a way to live with your id and your superego all at the same time and pay no bill. But you have to but pay, you a bill. pay a bill. You do. Yeah. You pay a personal bill. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or if they know that you do it and you're still capable of what you're capable of, it's okay. The other great example was Colin Farrell. He was another guy I watched with great interest because I was already sober at this point. And I was like, this guy's doing it, man. He's in Tigerland. He's in Playboy admitting he did ecstasy and coke this weekend. I love it. For some reason, that's who I'm drawn to. I'm like, oh, could you do the best yeah. work? Could you be as good as him and do that? I'm so good. I can still do this and deliver the goods. I don't necessarily think it's one of those juvenile masculine things. There are women I've seen do it equally as well. So I kind of reassure myself that it's not some bullshit masculine that I'm drawn to. I'm just like, how do you do it? I think it's all humans desire to have absolutely everything they want, period. And then you start finding out, oh, if I have that, I can't have that. And if I have this, I can't have that. And you start shrinking down what the possibility is. If you want all these things that are contradictory. So I think like the fantasy is that it appears some people are getting to do all the things and paying no price for it. But again, it comes back to, I just emotionally pay a big price, even if I quote, get away with it. Right. Yeah. Well, Matthew, God damn it. You're <laughs> as charming as I was expecting. Oh, that's not true. But thanks for saying it. Carrie cut my hair today, which is why I look like a monk. If someone put a gun to my head and said, to save the world, you must join some couple's lovemaking you'd be right on the top of the list for me, just so you know. You wouldn't have to save the world. You'd be welcome any day. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Thank God. Because it's going to be hard <laughs> to orchestrate that, yeah, where the whole world's at risk. There's a knock at, Dax Shepard is here, says the world's ending. <laughs> Tell him to come in. Oh, all right, come on in. Ooh, don't your arms look big? <laughs> oh. We're going to come on your boat. Yeah, for real. Come. You're welcome anytime. Thousand percent, we're going on your boat. That's a guarantee. Do yeah, it. Yeah. Let me know when you're in New York. Yeah. It'd be a pleasure to have you aboard. No, I just felt like such a dick. It'd be a pleasure to have you aboard. <laughs> That's what you really get to would. say if you have a boat.
I know, it. and then I hate myself for saying that. No, you earned it. Well, listen, like Hemingway, I know a lot about your character from taking that boat from the grave to its illustrious state now. And I say that sincerely. I look at that Instagram and I'm like, this dude has a quality that I admire and I aim to have as well. So maybe I learn more about you from those boat pictures than any role you've ever taken on. I definitely learned more about myself from the boat than anything <laughs> I've ever done. You should restore like a World War II plane next. Yeah, and cross the Atlantic in it. <laughs> Well, Matthew, great meeting you, and I hope you win an Emmy for Perry Mason. Can't thank wait you. to meet you in real life, and we are going to be on your boat. Glorious. I shall look forward to it, and thank you for this invitation. I, I really yeah. mean it. It's Please tell pleasure. your lovely wife we say hi, and yes. we miss her. I will. She sends lots of love, by the way. Asks if she can have her other two beers back. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye, both. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Celebrity Cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity Cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. We are supported by Vital Farms. And guess what, Monica? I'm back. You're back in the egg game. I am in the egg game. Horde. Mm -hmm. I love eggs. I love Vital Farms. I, I buy Vital Farms before, during, and after they've sponsored us. Yes, they're truly the best tasting eggs. No matter how you like your eggs, scrambled over easy or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. They're so fresh. Mm. Those yolks are so orange. Yeah, they really are. You feel like you're getting quality product. Absolutely. Trusted brand. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. We are supported by Wayfair. Home should be your happy place, a space where you can relax and just enjoy yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Whether you want the ultimate man cave, a cozy Victorian-inspired nook for reading, an area for family movie night filled with all things retro or something else. And if you need help creating that space, I recommend Wayfair. It's the place to shop for everything home, from sofas to dining tables, beds, rugs, wall art, and more. I bought a KitchenAid mixer? mixer on Wayfair. You can really get anything on there. And I'm helping a friend redo his living room. And we just. You're just on Wayfair on. nonstop. Yep. Yeah. It's one-stop shop. It is. They have fast free shipping. They have everything you need for your home inside and out. They have a huge selection of home goods and a variety of styles. Whatever you're into, Wayfair is the go-to destination to help bring your vision to life. Every style is welcome in the Waberhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com. Wayfair. Every style, every home. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. People know a lot about you because of this show. Mm -hmm. sometimes even more than you're comfortable with. But uh -huh. one thing they don't know about you is you are virtually Hansel and Gretel. 
or Hansel and Gretel. Why? Didn't they leave breadcrumbs everywhere they went so they could follow their way back? Yeah. So you leave little hairs. Um, oh. Well, not little, big, long, beautiful black hairs. Thank you. In your wake, like um, a pixie, I guess. It's your version of pixie dust. Oh, a yeah, fairy. Fairy, yeah. It's kind of just floating off your hair and catching the wind. I have then, a lot of it. Yeah, it's everywhere. And it's got a shed. I'm sorry. No, I don't mind it at all, but I just found some on the microphone, as I just showed you. Okay. There was a, a nice, long uh, auburn hair. Is auburn a word? Uh, yeah, but it means brown, so I don't okay. have auburn Okay, okay. Nice black, long. If it was auburn, it wasn't mine. Ooh. Auburn is brownish red, actually. Oh, a hint of red. Mm -hmm. Like a chestnut? It's very nice. Mahogany? A cherry? No. no. Okay. That's not, those don't have red. None of those things. All right. How's your mood? You were in a little bit of a bad mood yesterday. I was in a terrible mood yesterday. I don't know how much of it was psychosomatic. What happened, as you know, is I woke up pretty early to research somebody because we had a kind of an early interview. Mm -hmm. And right upon rising, I was like, well, I slept for five hours and 45 minutes. And this is could be the psychosomatic part where I'm like, I'd never have a good day if I sleep. Oh, you, you told know? yourself that story. Well, I don't even know that I thought it out explicitly as much as just I... I want eight hours, and if I don't get it, I just feel like I'm going to be tired all day maybe. Yeah. Well, I was tired all day yesterday. I ended up taking a little nap, which yeah. was nice. But yeah, I was cranky. It was a big day yesterday, though. We interviewed someone really early in the morning. Yep. And then Aaron was here, best friend Aaron Weekly. Yep. And I knew, well, this is the time. If I want to move all my exercise equipment from Carly's basement to my garage, today's the day. Yeah. And so I, I slammed that in the middle of all that, and you're talking about carrying hundreds and hundreds of pounds upstairs putting in a truck putting on rubber mat all this it became a it was a, it was it was a lot of work yeah and then we had a second interview but that one was really so fun that it kind of as you recall i was in a great mood afterwards yeah it buoyed you it buoyed buoyed oh buoyed me yeah, yeah. i like that <laughs> I mostly got excited because you had gotten so excited. I think we can tell people your clothes exploded during the interview, which I didn't think was atomically possible, but here we are. We're mid-interview. Very sexy guest, for very, sure. Very. Totally warranted. And I glance over to my right, because it's on Zoom, and, and I see Monica's full brazier. No, I, not full. Okay, 30% of your right brazier, your third love. I saw black hanging out. I was like, "What? whoa, what happened? And she had had it buttoned up to a level where you would have never seen the brassiere. And then somehow one of the buttons just exploded during this interview. And you're, I mean, you're full cleavage as much as one can have. I didn't realize. You didn't know And it. to be fair, it was a very loose shirt. It's not like a tight shirt where it would easily pop open. I have no idea how or why that happened i wish we recorded it so i could replay the tape to see if you dropped a button like uh, subconsciously you just like no i didn't okay so that was first we were like wow your shirt exploded during that interview which uh -huh. was exciting sure and then i think ruthie discovered that you had a huge <laughs> hole in your crotch in your pants <laughs> later in the day so we're like holy shit your crotch blew out too <laughs> you're like that was not there this morning so it definitely happened in the interview well <laughs> Well, it happened at some point during the day, yeah. potentially during the interview. Well, if other items of your clothing were r rebelling. I mean, context clues would tell us that it did happen during that interview. And also a very loose pant. Incredibly. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> like, yeah. there's no reason at Loose's all. Loose's pants yawn, probably. Yeah, well, and now they're in the garbage. Oh, you pitched them? Yeah, I had to. Okay. There was a big hole. Huge and, hole in the crotch. And too, too flimsy to sew back together. I it's think It's not so. your style. Yeah. Anyways. Certainly, this is the first guest that's made your clothes explode, I, and that's exciting as is. hell. I, I hope he feels so proud of himself. It was unexpected. Totally. For all of us. I wonder how hip to it he was. I wonder about the shirt, at what point in the interview that happened, and if he noticed the shift. We, we have the Zoom video. We're not going to watch Oh, the video that. is recorded. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Okay. Well, that might be worth me going through to find out the exact moment <laughs> that your shirt exploded. The timestamp. And I wonder if we can see your pants exploding. Like, you might have missed it, but maybe it's visible on the on the replay. Maybe. Play the tapes. <laughs> Anyways, that was really novel. That's about as novel as it gets. You're, you're both your upper and lower <laughs> wardrobe exploding because of someone's smile. Well, the smile was outrageous. It was outrageous. In the way the guest handled his smile which is he starts there's no smile you almost wonder if he's grumpy yeah sure Uh, or he doesn't like us or whatever yeah and then man he bangs that smile at you oh my it's a Um, pop out it is it's a huge it's a pop sometimes pop outs do make your clothes bounce they do yeah pop off that was enough to get me out of my bad mood because you were so excited your clothes were exploding (laughs) you left and you're deep in your fantasy world which is always fun to watch sure it was kind of a bummer because there was a plan yesterday night that was supposed to happen where we were supposed to have another one of our guests. Daniel Ricardo. We'll just say it. Danny was supposed to come over for dinner because he's in town because they're on break. Yeah. He had some sniffles. Yeah. Or so he claims in the morning. And so he was he was being responsible. He didn't want to risk getting he any was. of us sick or he hadn't yet been tested to see if, you know, he's got Delta, whatever. It was but a smart move. It was a safe move. But, but it was not a sad to, move. Not to our liking because yeah. we were going to all have dinner and Monica was going to wear a, a certain outfit <laughs> and it was going to be... Uh, and with any luck, that outfit would have... Uh, Disintegrated. Uh, yeah, exploded. Now that we know it's possible, it might have happened. Oh my God, this could be its own reality show <laughs> where you meet people. It's almost a contestant show. Like, who can make your clothes explode yeah. off? Yeah. Holy Maybe shit. Maybe that'll be an episode of Monica and Jess, season two. Oh, yeah. Or that could be a test that someone has to. Do you have all the toothpicks with you? Yeah, you want one? Yeah, can I have one? I don't have my nicotine toothpicks. Of course. I would like to um, update the armchairs who are maybe were concerned when I was vaping and dipping. I just want to say it's not a brag. I'll, I, I'm not making a claim that I won't fuck up again. But currently, I'm off vapes for almost two months and off dip for a month. So, big, big, big congrats! And then what I do in place of that, of course, is I got to pick something else up. So now I'm back addicted to toothpicks. Yeah, but we like this addiction much more. Yeah, other than I inadvertently leave toothpicks everywhere. Like I, I if do you that walk too. around. The- my house now there's toothpicks everywhere it's just terrible and i chew on them until they start disintegrating yep. again like my clothes everywhere and then so i just have like tiny shards of uh yeah of toothpick of wood uh-huh. and then i just leave them on the couch you pick them out and throw them <laughs> anywhere yeah yeah i have it in my head that they're organic because they're just a piece of wood yeah so like anywhere i'm at in real life i just pitch them on the ground not yeah. in not in the house but like out in the yard in the driveway. Just throw them on the ground. They're going to disintegrate in my mind. This is like the only addiction that me and you share. Or like, what we call it, an addiction. But you know, like a, um, a habit that a we vice. share. A vice. Yeah. And to be clear, these 
toothpicks don't have nicotine. They have tea tree oil. The ones that Monica's on that I'm now in- imbibing. Yeah, but you also like the nicotine toothpicks. Oh, I love them. They're yeah. awesome. You yeah. love them. Yeah. But I don't do dip and I don't do nicotine mints and I don't vape. Right. You don't do any nicotine. Correct. But we share so many other addictions. Of course. But I just mean, like, you know, other people connect with you. They're like, can I have that spray? Can mm, I have a mint? Can yeah. I have this? Like, everyone's doing that. Like, You're pass me out. that vape. And I don't have that with anyone. But now I have it with the toothpicks in you. And I'm just grateful. Me, me too. Yeah, the fact that I could bum a toothpick off you right yeah. now is awesome. Although we, you were previously addicted to toothpicks the last time I was addicted to toothpicks as well. But we weren't friends then. Yeah, we were. We were just brand new friends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you had a bad day, but now you're better. Yep. Ish. Uh oh. Tell us. Tell us about it. I hate when I air grievances on here, but I. Well, it's part of the show. It's part of the show. Okay. I have reached a saturation point with emails. Oof. Tell me about it. I can relate. I know. This is something you know inside and out. And there is something fundamentally flawed with the way emails work in that everyone responds, they respond, they respond. At a certain point, I open these emails. I don't know where the new text is. Like, I don't even know what is new about this email. There's 75 replies. I don't, none of it applies to me most of the time. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what is my role in this? Am I, Mm -hmm. someone asked me to do something and it's, but I have like 30 chains open on my email right now with replies from all these people. And I don't know if I'm dropping the ball on any of these. And it's just, it's overwhelming. Yeah. I couldn't possibly read all these emails. Um, I could. I don't. Right. I'm not gonna. But see, okay, this is where things get a teeny bit tricky, I'll say. Tell me. Because with Kristen as well, the job of the people around you two uh-huh. is to not have you have emails for no reason. Mm-hmm. For you to have emails in your inbox that you do need to respond to right. and not be inundated with all this other crap. Yeah. Now, you like being involved. Yeah, I don't have an assistant. Like, it's as simple as that. Yeah, but you also just like being involved. Yes, you I do. You want to be. So, like, for Hello Bello, if you then aren't on an email. If they name a product and I don't, I'm not aware of it, then I flip out. Or, yeah, other things like that. So I think for them, it's like, well, now we just have to include him on every single thing. I, I couldn't agree more. It's no one's fault. Yeah. None of this is fault. No, I know. It's hard for people to know what things I think I need to be involved with and what, what I, that's impossible. That's why I don't have an assistant, to be honest, because I don't think I could even give marching orders it's to hard. somebody. Yeah. There are solutions, but also emails suck. Yeah. Anywho, why did I even bring that up? Oh, just today, the emails, you know, I just have several people in my life right now that are trying to get some resolution to something that I, I'm not as invested as they are. Oh, just respond plainly. So sorry, I'm just not that available on email and I'm just super busy right now. Period. The end. That's okay. I know. I just, I'm a, I'm a codependent. It's hard for me to do that. It's interesting to me that that is the case for you because I don't think you're like that with people you actually are close to. I don't think you have a problem in that way. No, no, no. Totally false. I, for uh, 10 days now, an hour of my day is ruined with the idea that I don't know what to get you for your birthday. Oh my God. Literally. Well, get that off of your fucking that's, plate. That's what's happening. But and there's nothing you can tell me to alleviate it. Yes, I'm I I'm smart can. enough to go like, oh, Monica's really thoughtful and she gives great gifts. And of course, I should reciprocate, and I can't think of anything that's not just me just 
buying a gift for the sake of doing it. So every day for about an hour in my subconscious, I'm like going through, what did I hear her say that? And it's building to this terrible thing where I'm going to not have anything of any real value to you and it's going to ruin your birthday. She loves gift cards. Best I was going to say, ask Rob. He's really good at giving gifts. <laughs> Rob is incredible. And when it was Rob's birthday, I was fucking all wound up about that. Okay, just relax. Relax. <laughs> it's an- This is not... On my birthday, it- it's going to be annoying for me if my birthday is on the list of things. Like that, no. Just don't worry. You don't need to get me anything. I just had a 25-minute conversation with Kristen about it. I think she already nailed it. That's so it, great, you, you can just are, ride on that. I don't want it because it's a cop-out to say you guys are good at it and I'm bad at it. But also, uh, you guys are good at it and I'm not good at it. It's not even being good at it. That This is the difference. I get joy out of it. It's not even that I'm good at it. It's like I really like the hunt, the, the hunt, figuing it out, having, having something clocked, special. Like all I clocked this last year was that Matt likes pecan pie and I wrote it in my calendar for six months later, buy him a pecan pie on yeah. his birthday. That's if I don't if I don't do it like that where I hear it, and even though it's six months out I write that down ahead of time, ugh, I don't know. You don't have to get me anything. Okay. Oh, <sighs> Yeah, now you're grumpy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do you ever do this? Stick it in your teeth? Love to. Yeah. Yeah. And love just it. Let, it, let it hang. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It feels really good it going does. like the way it pushes Through. against your gums. Yes. Yeah, nice. We are inserting our toothpicks in between our two front teeth. Yeah. And now top. I've done my other tooth. Oh my God. That's kind of weird. I like it. It's, mine's too tight. Yeah. You have tight teeth. I have tight gums. That's good. I don't floss. You guys ready to puke? <laughs> this will probably start a whole new fucking celebrity thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't floss because when I floss, nothing is in my teeth. And then when I go to the dentist, they think I floss all the time. So I'm like, oh, I just have tight teeth and I don't need to do that. <laughs> I know. You You say you have tight teeth. Here's the thing that we've, we, we've talked about this before. Okay. And it's not it's not so much about getting stuff out. It's about your gums. No, I know. It's okay. to get the gunk between your teeth out so it doesn't infect your gums. But it's also like the massaging of the gums. Like mm. getting. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm oh. a periodontist. Oh. Do you know this about me? I'm an armchair periodontist. All right, I guess I'll get into some facts. Okay. Is Hemingway's editor named Max Perkins? Yes, Maxwell Perkins. Yay! The actress that he had to woo in The Americans, who was a young girl. Oh yeah. Her name is Julia Garner. Julia Garner. We never called that out very specifically, but she, she was in Ozark as well. I think Jeez. won an Emmy for it. She's Incredible. the best part of Ozark. She's phenomenal. How big is Rhode Island? Who Rhode Island. No. I'm teasing. Even when I brought up that example, I was very nervous. I was offending everyone in Rhode Island. It's small. It's 1,214 square miles. That could be as small as 10 miles by 100 miles. It's pretty small. That's very small. It could also be 20 miles by 50 miles. Ooh. Okay, and then Wales is actually much bigger than Rhode Island. Oh, not it is. giving it enough credit. It's 8,006 miles square. And the other one was 1,000? Yeah. Okay. Almost eight times as much. But if it's 80 miles wide, it'd only have to be 100 miles long. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's still small. It's still small. Like but 80 it's- by 100? No state is 80 by 100. I mean, Rhode Island is well, obviously yeah. it's eighty by ten or whatever the fuck we. Rhode decided. Island is much smaller. We just have 10. to be careful. We have to be careful to the people of Wales. It's not really fair to make that equivalency. 
We've got a lot of apologies to make. Rhode Island and Wales. We're so sorry. Also, bigger is not better, but it is. No, okay. it's not. Okay. Small is great. Hello, I'm miniature. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm miniature. <laughs> that should be the name of your autobiography. Hello, I'm miniature. <laughs> okay, the endangered language list. There's like 7,000 languages on it that are endangered. Oh, Jesus. Well, that tells me they're dead. They're not endangered. I've not heard of 7,000. Have you heard of Dakota? Of course not. What yeah, is that? I know you don't. That's why it's endangered. Is it? Was it spoken by the Lakota? Dakota is a language of the Dakota people. The Dakota and other people have been called the Sioux by French and English colonists. Oh. But each group has its own name. Okay. Okay. Well, that's in danger. We got to say that. Cree. I feel like I've heard of Cree. Okay. Is that like a offshoot of Creole? Cree is a is a First Nations language of Canada, spoken by about 120,000 people. Although all varieties of Cree are related, a Cree speaker from Alberta would have difficulty understanding a Cree speaker from Quebec. Mm. Are 5,000 of these 7,000 languages in India? Probably. There's so many languages there. There's a quadrillion there. there, right? Uh-huh. There are so many. <laughs> okay, that's all. That was everything? Yeah. I'm wearing cowboy boots. Today. Yeah, you got a new pair of cowboy boots, and you're you're gonna live in them. I think like an eight year old for the next week. Kristen gave them to me, and I love them. <laughs> and you can't have them. And they're for me. And they won't fit you. It wasn't even her birthday gift, but it was a good gift. <laughs> I wish I would have thought of it. <laughs> I would have never thought you wanted cowboy boots. Jesus but look how Christ. cute they are. You don't even like um, camo. You're wearing fucking cowboy oh, boots. Oh, cowboy boots to me are not even remotely okay. the same as camo. Camo is is. Killing animals. But yeah. It's not to me. Yeah. I know, I know. We yeah. have different opinions of it's what it means. But cowboy boots have nothing about killing involved. Well, other cowboys, but who cares about that? I don't care about that. Yeah. All right. Well, I love you. <laughs> love you. Love you. 